going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Publisher, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. people i'm so excited because this is my first in-person interview where i don't get to hide like the fact that i have no pants on or anything (laughs) like that um this is ellen kizik and i have her here with me for a couple reasons now i didn't know this but um to promo her as a person but also she is running in the upcoming election against todd young for the senate seat in the state of indiana so I wanted to give her some screen time, give her the opportunity to introduce herself, because as all of you know, if you've been following me for any amount of time, when it comes to Indiana politics, Todd Young does not deserve that seat anymore. So I'm going to turn it over to Ellen and and let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her. Um, First, Ellen, tell us where you started. So I know you haven't always lived in Indiana, but you've lived here for like 30 years. Uh, so we, uh, my parents and I, on July 2nd, um, celebrated 31 years in the United States. I'm originally from Odessa, Ukraine. Okay. And uh, my parents and I, uh, which is right on the Black Sea. So we immigrated here in uh, July 2nd of 1990. Okay. Um, a year, a few months before the collapse. And we actually ended up in Twin Falls, Idaho. And yeah, so we had, um, we had a sponsor like everybody else did, but our sponsor, uh, we paid back our tickets. Uh, we still came under refugee status. Um, that was the only way to get out. Um, and actually while our, uh, my uncle is a dissident and he's in Israel. So half of my mom's family immigrated to Israel. We came to America first and then since people have followed, uh, but we, uh, so kind of ended up in in Twin Falls, Idaho for two weeks and then moved down to Salt Lake City and spent, um, lived there up until 1995 and ended up in Terre Haute um, for a year uh, after my father got a job. And then we moved to Indianapolis in 96 on the north side in the Geist area. And uh, my dad still worked and commuted uh, back and forth from Terre Haute. Um, Well, (laughs) Terre Haute didn't work out as um, as pleasantly as we had we had hoped, um, and the scenery definitely didn't compare to right. the to the Rockies, um, sure. uh, to the Utah side of the Rockies. So, what um, we really blessed the house I grew up in. Um, I've got lots of woods. We're not on the water. It's just an acre in front, acre in back. So you're still road. in the house that you grew up um, in. Yes, I'm back in the house. It is. It is very. I'm, I happen to be an only child, so um, it was. I, in the fall of two, like I, I lived and I'm going to go from now going back, but, um, I, I did spend a year, uh, I lived at the depot at nickel plate and Fishers. Um, I did, uh, and moved back home, I guess in the fall of 2019. So either way, I would have moved back when the pandemic hit because the reason to live at the depot or any facility like that is because of the amenities. Right. And when COVID hit, uh, everything shut down. Like they wouldn't even, uh, unlike other places where the pools were open um, in Hamilton County, they, and we had a fresh salt water pool. That was kind of an added bonus. That was heated. So it was open until November. And so that was kind of like a really like cherry on top. And yeah. you hear that like, I was, I was glad I didn't renew my lease because I, we, I wouldn't have had access to that. I wouldn't right. have had access. I would have been stuck 
Um, and uh, it, but I mean, at least I had a place, um, but it was a lot better uh, for my cats and I to come back home and uh, spend the pandemic with my parents. Um, and prior to that, I did, um, and I've lived in a few places, uh, but in April of 2016, I moved out to Shanghai, China. That's what I was going to say. I mm-hmm. thought that you had, you had lived yes. in China. So tell me about so that. So I actually, I'm a, a fencing coach as well. Um, I've not done that since coming back after China, really. Um, I just, I volunteer here and there. Um, but prior to that, uh, I was, uh, my father, my parents and I actually, we run Indy Saber Fencing Club. So it is a family owned business. We've been around since 2001. Um, Indy Saber, uh, we practice at a Jewish community center. We offer after school programs. Um, this summer, uh, my dad had eight straight weeks of um, summer camps. So between Park Tudor and the Orchard School, we're really blessed Busy. that, yes, I mean, but it was fantastic because, I mean, we topped out at like 17 kids in one camp and I, that's that's good for us usually we right. get like 20 but i with the considering the pandemic we were just so glad to be back in do you think that had first of all do you think fencing is taking off from a sport perspective that it it, it did um it since 2004 to- okay when um because meryl zagunas brought back the gold and there hadn't been a gold medal uh, in for a long for, time, for a hundred years. Yeah, it for a hundred years yeah. for the U.S. And so that was the funny part because I um, started fencing when I was sixteen years old, and so that was a few years prior to that, like two or three years prior to that. And so when I told people, um, which still tickles me to this day, when I told people that I was fencing, they literally thought I was putting up fences <laughs> on the weekend. I I don't know how they came up with that, but that's the response I would get from like really intelligent kids and like all ages all age groups because i the pirates of the caribbean hadn't come out yet and so all we had was prince's bride to go off of which is very accurate in terms of like i like that film for for its fencing technique it's good um and then you had parent trap i think too so oh you haven't oh it's is it good yeah okay i mean it it, as far as movies like that are kids friendly okay they're yeah my daughter is obsessed with princess bride yeah well princess bride is a top notch and to this day (laughs) i mean so um i i started fencing and um competed up until i was i'd say yeah well like i went to butler university we didn't obviously have a team or anything like that but i was still competing and traveling for that um and then as soon as uh, i hit 20 i started refereeing and so i would travel nationally to referee and um that and and work with the club and anytime i even if i had a day job because most of the time once i graduated from college i always had um multiple jobs i right. preferred to have the day job and then something in the evening, which fencing fit perfectly into that because it's an excuse to go to the gym and I'm already there. So I have no excuse not to, yeah. you know, work out on or to run the track. And, um, and that led up to me being recruited. Um, and I don't technically want to say I was recruited. I knew that, um, one of the, uh, former Northwestern fencing coaches, um, which I, at the time I didn't know, the circumstances of him leaving Northwestern. So I thought that it wasn't, it, it turned out like, it's fine. It worked out for the better, but long story short, he was there from October of 20. Like I, I knew he was out there in October of 2015. And I started kind of like 
um, thinking about the move or just making the jump or whatnot. But um, I was working at the Children's Museum at the time, and um, and I actually have a cup. So what you only get when you're employed at the Children's Museum. So this is what I drink. I drink my alcohol. I work second shift. Night at the museum right. really does exist at the Children's <laughs> Museum. It was the I most magical place. It's one of my favorite places in I, the whole world. So I am I too. I it's got one you. of my. I've been to museums all over the world, and it never and like, it, like it's just because that's fails. ours. Like yeah. I love that. And one. I bet your daughter it oh, loves God. it like to a T. Obsessed with it. Yes, uh, obsessed with it. And I I can't wait to take my son now that he's okay. old enough to start kind of like oh, comprehending wonderful. certain sure. things. So. It'll be exciting. To yeah, to yeah. I got there. to do the floor checks. That's what I because they were second cool. second shift, so it was well worth it. But then um, it uh, basically I um, geared myself up to uh, by April that I was ready for the move, um, and uh, I basically am the only person that I know that uh, because I left one communist regime. Um, the USSR um, I I, and I went into another communist regime um, which 13 months after that in June of 2017 I returned back home and right. definitely experienced firsthand um, why we don't live under or why I no longer live under a communist regime which my parents uh, so lovingly said we told you so right but that's okay because sometimes Did you plan to live permanently when you um, went to Shanghai so was that the when I went there um I I was at the fencing club for a month um and discovered that being at the club for six days out of the seven days for the pay that they gave really wasn't um I had my um college degree. And so I started teaching English and I switched over to that side. And then everything took off because I was able to also start coaching fencing. And, uh, so it worked out exponentially better. Um, it, but it just didn't, it didn't pan out. Right. Um, thankfully. Um, but, uh, everything they do say about China is true. Um, firsthand, uh, and unfortunately, uh, that, um, wit having witnessed that, not being able uh, to do anything about it. Um, I, and the thing was, I knew going in that I wasn't going to be able to voice my opinion, but it was an election year. I will give that country one piece of credit, um, is the fact that, uh, we were able to, um, first of all, they had the smallest, uh, like, cause during one of the debates, the young Republicans in Shanghai organized a group. And so we all met up at a restaurant. Cool. Um, yeah, it turned out I was the only female, which was perfectly fine. There was another female, but she was actually a con artist and <laughs> a definite, like, legitimate wow. international con artist. Because I was like, you like, I'd met her and she'd met a bunch of other female friends that I'd known. Coincidentally, when you tell someone that you graduated from Harvard and they graduated from Yale, they're definitely going to call the alumni networks and check who you are. Right. And before you start asking, and actually she asked for money and people gave her money. And luckily at the time when she asked me for money, all I could do was just listen to her. And I was like, I'm not in a position like right. you like talk to everybody else. And unfortunately people fell for it. And, oh, uh, wow. but I mean, the, it, it is what it is. You're in, at the time, Shanghai was the third largest city in the world. Right. And there are a lot of like, I, I was just really lucky. I was really lucky. Um, and I 
so the we had a lot of fun um, with uh, just discussing politics out in the open without um, I would I, looking back on it, there wasn't as much it was it wasn't really bipartisan, but I was able to voice whatever my support for Trump and like capitalism and then be like turn around to a Democrat and be like, hey, so when, you know, Clinton gets elected, you're totally going back, right? right? Because like you left because something wasn't right under the Obama administration, but you're going to put your like money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, no. And I was like, but why? Like, yeah. yeah like if you're, cause I always felt uncomfortable calling myself an expat right. because it was just like expatriate, expatriate. And I'm like, no, I'm totally American. Like I, the, I am so happy right. that and so grateful because this is the only country left on earth where we are, um, where there's still freedoms that are protected by the U S constitution. And that, um, now it's obviously not as free and I'm very careful of whom I speak to about what, right. but back then, um, as long as you didn't criticize the party, the communist party, the PRC, then, um, you were fine to do whatever, say whatever, um, the interesting and actually I give. So wait, hold on. I want to clarify that yeah. really quick. So you were able to praise capitalism and we'll say Trump, you know, that kind of stuff. I was able to say but as long as she didn't to. say the CCP sucks or something derogatory towards China, mm-hmm. you were free to say whatever you wanted to say. Yes. There's I, no copyright infringement. There's no copyright infringement, which I was very surprised and offended by. Um, because I mean, there's bootleg movies, everything like, and basically, and I started doing stand up comedy in Shanghai because I discovered um, there is, and that- A huge like, market for American comedy in China? Uh, well, there's enough. <laughs> there's enough for Western um, English speaking. It doesn't need to be a native language. Um, one of my really good friends is South African. And I love when, because he was, he's white South African. And anytime like a Chinese person would ask him like, but you were from Africa. And he would be like, oh, I have um, the same disease as Michael Jackson. <laughs> And I'm like, that is the most brilliant thing to like, it was just, yeah. So don't (laughs) criticize the CCP or you disappear. And, um, there's a, it wasn't, um, it was just not a a safe environment at all. And every newspaper you'd come across, there would be the list of, um, Chinese nationals that, um, were, uh, arrested that were detained that and then it would state their crime and then like you would see oh their this amount of funds was uh basically seized and their families were left with nothing because somebody turned them in and it started clicking in my head because these are the stories that I was told of growing up because my upbringing in Ukraine um, in Odessa. How old were you when you left Ukraine? So I was a uh, month after I turned five years old. Okay. But I grew up. Um, I'm in, sorry, I didn't mean to. You're totally great. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, the thing is, I uh, had a unique um, background because I actually grew up in a private home that my great grand, yeah, so my, not my grandfather, but my great grandfather um, built. And so that was um, my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, and then my mother and my father ended up living in it because it, it was turned into a duplex. And so we had our own yard and um, we had 
gardens because the soil in Ukraine, it used to be the breadbasket of the Soviet Union. It's just rich black soil that's right. so plentiful. You don't have to add anything to it. Um, we're the only family on our street that kept our home. As in every single year, the KGB, the Bolsheviks first, then the KGB would come and nobody could argue with my grandmother because she was an accountant and she kept every single, I, I don't even know how you re- keep receipts, um, but every other family and my house is still there. The home that I grew up in, I have seen it since someone added a story to it, but it's still, it's the number seven on seventh fountain. Like it's still there. And um Every other home they move families into. You have a spare room, like you have a living room here. This would be, you'd put a curtain up and a whole family would live there. Wow. And this area, your kitchen, like any spare space would end up being Allocated. utilized. Yeah. Um, I was told uh, later, like as an adult, that one of the neighbors hung themselves. Um, another neighbor, I mean, basically him and his mom couldn't do anything about it but nobody could argue with my grandma like um so uh I never knew what communal living was until um I would say I wouldn't even count like apartment living here in America as communal living or even dorms in college um I when I was out in Shanghai definitely saw um saw the neighborhoods the last place I lived in on the first floor they were just rooms and the individuals didn't have like no windows. It was just a door. And then you would have bunk beds. And that's what um, the. It almost sounds like a hostel. Like, yeah. So when they, situation. because there's no historical. Well, another thing that got me was the fact that there's no historical preservation, which, I, which is um, uh, very typical of the Communist Party is when you come in, you erase all historical, all right. history, period. So all these beautiful, like, traditional Chinese architecture style buildings, everything was being bulldozed over. And then they were supposedly the people that occupied those homes uh, were moved into the projects. The projects, nobody, no, it was just like you were given a notice, you had no choice. Um, And kind of, not tragic. I mean, it's like, it was uh, because I've traveled elsewhere. uh, to the Middle East, just to see that firsthand. Um, you can read about it, but I, I go and experience yeah. it because um, you, there's no convincing me that there's any form of socialism or communism that is actually good. good. No, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I studied it because I have a degree in political science. Um, I absolutely, like I said, you can read about it, you can debate it, um, you can be a documentaries, this or that, but until you until I saw it and until I felt um, actually felt like and looked people in the eye, I didn't realize the impact, the devastation that it was having. But the interesting thing is they do a really great job of brainwashing. Yes. Very patriotic. I taught second grade at an international school and we'd start our day out on the football field, doing an exercise, um, physical exercise, but to the Chinese national anthem. And I mean, I love my kids, but like I, the smartest of all of them, like the girl, there was a female that was just, um, the girl that was so gung ho, but it's just, I was looking at these kids and being like, you guys, your parents are buying up properties abroad. Do you ever just wonder why, why? like yeah. it's in anybody's best interest to invest abroad and to make sure you have something secured whether they consciously know that or not, but like 
they've got. And what age were you teaching? Um, so I taught, um, in this particular experience, I taught second grade. So seven, seven and eight year olds. Um, I taught all the way up to, um, cause I taught at a training school as well. And so I had down to a three-year-old. And my favorite, uh, because you, they'll, they'll start three or four years old, even if the kids, luckily, I was very lucky. I was, uh, my kids, um, I had very few misbehaved kids, but I did also, but I'll focus on the positive and then give the little counter example. Um, because, but I had the best three-year-old, his name was Summer, and he literally was like the epitome of what you would think the season of summer looks like in a child uh, because he just sat there and he just like absorbed everything. I had the most like just beautiful doll eyes. that was just, just like curious about everything. And usually like, cause having coached fencing too, we're really blessed. We get pretty intelligent kids or kids that are like curious. So they'll pay attention more. They'll make right. an effort. Um, but I've usually not three years old, not three or four, five years old, six years old. That's the age where you notice that. So I was really lucky in that respect. Um, with uh, regards to, um, unfortunately, mental health is was was and still is taboo. Um, and I had a kid in my class that um, was, and I didn't know that, but then it was disclosed to me that he had actually been taken to a, taken to a psychiatrist. I call it like he had been medically diagnosed with like ADHD and like anger issues because he had hurt a kid the year before or something. And they still let him into the classroom. I mean, when the kid throws a CD at somebody else that right. I, I, there's, you can't, do much yeah. about that except for call for backup and just be like, I, and bless his heart. The kid actually like wanted to learn, but because of all the other uh, of some issues that in America, he would, I, I don't believe in medicating like in all like regards, not yeah. over. Yeah. But there are, if there are cases where it is absolutely necessary. Um, and, for the safety of everybody involved right. until like, so I don't, you know, that, that experience was very interesting, very eye opening. Um, and I will add, I also, I was really blessed in Shanghai to, um, I joined a group, uh, of expats. Um, and we were the first group to go into nursing homes and volunteer at the cool. elderly. So, um, yes, I have, I got that insight too, because, um, there are no, uh, public nursing homes. Like, you know how we have adults, you, as soon as you go on Medicaid, you can use your Medicaid to get into a nursing home. There's, they don't, they don't have that for the elderly. So my question was like, what do you do with the 80, 90, 100 year olds? Cause the average age of one of those patients in the nursing home or residents, cause it wasn't necessarily, it, they were residents of the nursing home. Um, they were like 90 years old as opposed to like our average age, because I, I, I volunteered at Hooverwood, um, which is in Indianapolis. Um, my grandmother also lived there up until she passed in 2011. Uh, but uh, unless the family, so the family has to take the elderly person in. If the family has enough money, they'll put them in this privatized nursing home. They do not allow outside visitors, usually. They, less, they lessened their 
because they don't want you to actually see. There's no actual social engagement. The TV is on. They're barely even, unless their kids bring them or family members bring them like reading material, they don't have anything to entertain. They're literally put there to die. Yes. And unfortunately they don't die that quickly. Like the Asian, I mean, it was just, I met like an 103 year old who was bedridden, but totally conscious. Interesting thing about, because um, if anybody's familiar with Shanghai, they have their own Shanghainese dialect. Right. So the elderly, we, we had to have a triple translation because majority of them don't speak Mandarin. Actually, the biggest concern wasn't like us noticing something wrong and like reporting it to anybody. It was just the fact that a lot of those elderly had not seen a white person. Like supposedly, like right. really, they, they didn't want the people to be shocked by like a non-Asian coming in and I, but I got nothing but like I got nothing but love I mean they were just like they were admiring my face and like my skin Aww. and I was just like look at your skin because you're like 90, <laughs> like you're years, 90 old. years old and I told you your secret <laughs> like I don't I, I don't know what it is I just found the youth isn't is in Asia they don't lie about that so I had the opportunity to go into two different ones and we just, we talked and socialized. Um, I know the group um, went in and they had, um, they danced with some of the residents and That's stuff. Cute. And so at least we got to pave the way for that. Um, but for example, my family in Israel, like, because my grandparents both ended up in nursing home care, um, it, they have social events up the wazoo, like you art class, music you've got people coming in um you've got performances you've got church services um you're not you know if if you're not hebrew you you know you're you're not jewish um they've got church services in hebrew they've got church services in russian because i speak russian the national language of ukraine is technically ukrainian i never learned it um because that was not the national language at the when you were a kid so uh, people in the countryside spoke it but it wasn't taught in I didn't enter the school system but it wasn't taught like in the city centers but obviously now um and since after the collapse um if uh like all the news in Ukraine is in Ukrainian if you want to work in Ukraine it's Ukrainian it's a beautiful language I hope to learn it one day but it's a little different than um like I was gonna ask you how much difference is there it's so it's it's enough it's just like Polish and Russian um it's similar Right. It's not quite the same. Yeah. Okay. So um, just interesting insights. Because Do you speak Mandarin too? No. Okay. No, I survived 13 months without speaking like any Chinese. You just go and point to things. You do. <laughs> or you just like have the translation on your phone. And I had, I had the best time. I wandered. Um, I saw the city. I saw the old parts um, before some parts were bulldozed down. Like I just... I'd walk by construction site because nobody there is armed, um, which I really, I, because you can't walk in downtown Indianapolis without, like, I don't venture um, at nighttime, let's put it that way. Or if I do, somebody, like, is walking with me, which is really unfortunate because I went to IUPUI as well, and I remember... um, a safer time. Yeah. <laughs> and um so it's it definitely totally for second amendment rights, but um but it, there's well as I, I was just saying, like you can't go buy a construction site 
being female, period, like in any town, I don't think anywhere in America that's technically safe. Right. So. We may disagree on that. Do you carry? I don't yet. Okay. Is that something you plan to start looking into mm -hmm. doing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel, um, first of all, I, I, uh, I've been shooting, uh, it's been a very, very long time, but I have gone. Um, I, what I remember very, very clearly is that, uh, when the Bolsheviks came in and this is stories through my grandparents, uh, the stories were that any weapons, any swords, um, because my great grandfather who acquired this piece of land, he was part of the SARS army. Okay. So he obviously had swords. He had the stuff that you would have as part of the cavalry. Um, but the Bolsheviks confiscated all of that. Why do you confiscate all of that? So that you can't exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's where a bell in my head goes off and is like, I, um, I'm suspicious when anytime there's a push for, um, we need to control the guns and, right. and limit who has access to them because it, it's just criminals are always going to get access to mm-hmm. anything. Drugs are illegal. How many people do drugs on a daily basis? Shooting and killing someone is illegal. How many people are murdered every day? And it's tragic. And then to see um, where there, where there has been a direct correlation of releasing um, oh, inmates, yes. and then all of a sudden there's a spike in the crime rate, and that's a reasonable inference. That is, I mean, repeat offenders make up a lot of the population. Right. Um, it, it's just. This, the solution is not to get rid of guns. Right. No, it's not. The solution is education and responsibility. Yes. And continuous, um, I, I just... Because when you tell me that you don't feel safe, that concerns me, that that you feel like you can't go anywhere in America, anywhere you want and to. And I, I don't... I say that with hesitation. Um, I... When I say it concerns me, yeah. I, I want you... I mean, we are the freest country in oh, the world, we, so I want so you So far, to, actually, yeah. I can affirm, I've not been <laughs> south of the equator, but from my experiences, um, actually, I've been really lucky in the situations that I've been in. Um, I've, I've been very, very safe, even, like, going into whichever parts of right. different European cities that maybe pe- people shouldn't go into, yes. but... Um, why not? Because somebody invited me. And as long as you're with someone that vouches for you, um, we'll see. And then there again, you have to have somebody vouch for you. You right. can't go into a territory or a neighborhood unless you, you know someone. Somebody. But here yeah. in America, you're right. No, because I grew up going to concerts, a lot of concerts. And I mean, like I would go to Chicago or Cincinnati on a regular basis um, because I was really active in the music scene. And then in college, I interviewed bands. And I like, I mean, I had the honor of uh, just oh you're there's a little nap but <laughs> the the more flies the better that gets me we do a, live in the country so yes. it's kind of hard we don't <laughs> I, I I hope you have more bugs it was uh I saw mostly butterflies it's okay it's yeah. uh sorry it really guys. is attracted to you yeah um I saw a lot of butterflies and that was that's a healthy sign yeah yeah, yeah it is <laughs> um 
But no, I, I, Sorry to derail. <laughs> I, you did not derail me. I was just going to say, I've, um, gone into places and well, the thing is like, I can, like, I have worked for a security company, for example, um, central security communications. So, um, and when I was at the children's museum, I was, as soon as the museum closed, I was part of the security team. Right. So, and we know where this children's museum is located. Found right. out very quickly when you hear fireworks, those are not, not fireworks. fireworks yeah. Go inside, <laughs> go to the control room and wait it out. Yeah. Because, um, so um, I, I am aware of my surroundings and I uh, try my best to like, I hate, I don't have an exit strategy or whatever, but that's just from not because it's a safe or unsafe place, but just because um, that's kind of my I don't know. It keeps me entertained to like figure stuff out and um, I never get bored in that (laughs) respect. So, uh, but I I still feel that we're really, really safe because I have been downtown. I have gone to comedy shows um, and walking to my car to or from my car. I mean, just be aware of who's around. And if anything, um, it's, it's the crime. I don't, I know it happens um, everywhere, but in the neighborhoods, whatnot, um, I'm suspicious of uh, that they're not like, there used to be random acts, Um, a lot of drug crimes, whatnot, where it was just in the heat of the moment. And there's no, um, I just remember being told when I worked for a security company that like, it was easier in the nineties or before that time, uh, maybe even still the early two thousands definitely the nineties, because what people would do is what criminals would do. They would stake out a house. Okay. And you would learn the schedule of, okay, does this family have kids? Okay. They have kids. Well, this is when the kids leave for school. This is, do they have pets? You, they learned the schedule. They like made sure that they committed the crime when nobody was in the house, unless it was like, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but this is just like the most generic thing. And I was just like, well, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. We, yeah. I, not that we had smart criminals. I don't think crime is the answer, but there was some kind of element of respect. Right. Um, and so that doesn't make me feel any better because still there would be a crime committed, but that whole mentality went straight out the window. I don't know if it was the meth epidemic, um, definitely the opioid epidemic. I think that literally um, just because there were, there were crimes that were being committed in Hamilton County that like, and I remember cause it, I lived between 2009 and yeah, 2015. Um, I lived at the retreats, um, which is, uh, in Indianapolis, still North side. Um, we're still Indianapolis territory, but it's all like Hamilton County. Right. We're right. It's a little interesting area yeah. on the map. Um, but, uh, uh, I remember like moving in and not having to worry about locking my car or like if anybody came to visit, like they didn't have to worry. And um, I, two of those years I served on our homeowner association um, at, towards the end because uh, there was a golf course, Sunnyside golf course right next to it. Um, and that kind of, uh, and the lady that owned it passed away. And then there's a whole, since then right. that whole Westfield's been totally redeveloped. Um, but towards like, I'd say 
basically closer to 2014, 2015, like we had to lock our cars, make sure your windows are rolled up because people were just like just grabbing stuff, like grab and go, grab and go. Like people would drive into the neighborhood and they would just like check car handles. And we were like, well, gosh, I mean, like what's next? We have to get surveillance cameras. Like there's a part of me that wonders if part of the problem is that once the system got so inundated, I mean, if you think about the backlog of cases, I I actually talked to an attorney about this not too long ago. It's not necessarily a matter of not taking up the cases, but it's about cleaning your workload as fast as possible, Possible. the docket. So yes, yeah. You've got to. It's way easier for me to be like, oh, you just stole a car. No big deal. I'm going to put you back out on the street. You murdered somebody. Okay, we're going to probably have to. have to. We're going to have to, have to, go, gonna have to take it to court. I mean, it's, it so, is what it is. You know, shouldn't have really killed them. It should have been, you know, so attempted murder. Speaking of crime being smart, it's almost like they've learned the system. conditionally that the system is going to give them the. I mean, you have entire states and cities now at this point refusing to do any sort of like shoplifting over I think it's $900 and down Mm -hmm. they're not going to prosecute for it and so it's like people are like oh well I can just go in here yeah it gives you incentive so that's why everybody that looted all the downtowns including let's just focus on our downtown that actually busted out the windows that have devastated the businesses and comedy clubs but biz- all businesses whether restaurants bars or actual like like that that's why there's no consequences consequences pretty much i don't know if i don't know about indie specifically that's, i think uh, that makes is- sense no it just it just makes sense and it's it's there and and this i mean is going back in mentality yeah. this is, i'm not saying that like we should go back to biblical times and eye for an eye, but no, there's no. There I think that there is a consequence like, for doing the wrong thing. That's there why should we, be, yes, there should be, but there's not. So there should not be any exceptions. Um, uh, to I, I do believe that we should take things on a case by case basis. But, but they those, should all go through the system. They, they should all go. Yeah. We have a system in place. We and and yeah, because um, because that's how it's set up and that's yeah. how it's functioned. And it, I, not that it's by any means it. I don't have a solution yet because I know things are broken, very broken. Uh, the only way is to uh, not skirt the issue, right? And not to not sugarcoat things like just a slap on the wrist doesn't there that's why that's why for owis i mean you have the three strikes you're out like well in this new piece of crap legislation that came out yesterday they're talking about any vehicle that's made after i think it's like next year or something will have breathalyzers in it so every single vehicle has to be made with a breathalyzer now okay i um, have you read this yet i have not okay well i won't talk about that but this is that infrastructure bill that just yes yeah it's horrible it is atrocious. There, we're we're now spending money on wildlife vehicle collision research. Why people hit animals in their cars? Well, isn't that all? Isn't that more like oh, so psych- what? What are we gonna do? Like it, teach the deers how to read the sign that says deer crossing? Like I, I don't know. Like that's when um, <laughs> that's when you get the vet, vet involved. 
or a vet psychologist, right? Uh, or to, to talk to the animals. Talk, yeah. Talk well, I mean, that <laughs> we do have animal whispers, and they and they are legitimate, actual people. But I don't think any of that actually involves like helping or caring no, for the animals. It's just who can we give this contract to and throw more money away? Like, okay, so I want before I don't want to get into that because you haven't yeah. read it, and I don't want to make you. That's okay. Talk about it. Yes, I do want to understand why you're deciding to run for office. Um, you've run, you've run before, right? So, um, actually I declared, okay. I declared correction. So I declared, uh, to run for U S Congress, um, in 2018, 20, no, 2019, I declared it would have been in 2020. Um, I did not follow through with my signatures in the fifth district, uh, because at the time I, I basically felt that I was not the right Ukrainian for it. And I turned out to be correct about that one. Okay. So, um, that's where Congresswoman Sparts, that's where she is. Um, and, uh, it just, actually, I'm, I'm glad that I, uh, I, 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 it, it, I would not have been as creative as her with the, her uh, hail no sign. Right. Because I have to, I have to say, whoever made that one up, <laughs> I don't go that route. I would not go that route. Right. But as somebody who's done stand-up comedy, I appreciate the humor in yes. that because that's great wordplay. Yeah. And so, uh, and it worked and it worked. Um, I declared, uh, so this past, um, Actually, I was at the state house these past two legislative sessions. Okay. Um, in 2020, right before the lockdown, um, I was a legislative intern. I think I was like the oldest intern in 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 their history. But um, I uh, worked with the LA for Representatives Cook, Representative Judy, and Representative Speedy. And uh, I because I'd never experienced uh, state government. Right. And I was at IUPY for my paralegal and legal informatics certificates and my classes were in the evening. So I was like, what can I do um, to kind of get my, I get a taste. It wasn't even a foot in the door. It was right. more like, I want to know how the government functions on a state level. Right. I did not learn that at Butler because in the fall of 05, I had, I was blessed. Um, Butler had a really excellent relationship with the late Senator Luger in his office um, so I spent my fall semester on Capitol Hill interning for Senator Very Luger. Cool. It was it was the best experience of my whole life. And that probably... Um, well, that gave you insight on the federal level, which is yeah. where you're going. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I, well, we're not as bipartisan as it was back then. Half of his office were Dems. So we're Uniparty now. I... Uh, as, a, as a country. <laughs> it's yeah, all one so big happy family. you can't tell... Um, and, and I love your necklace, by Thank the way. You. We match. Yes, um, we do. I just have, I have my elephant necklace. Yes, shirt, elephant shirt. I have a huge <laughs> elephant tattoo. We're elephants. Yes. So, um, uh, but I am declared to run in the general election as an independent. I saw so, that, but I want to know why. Why are you not running as a Republican? Well, first of all, for the general, you don't have that option because the primary will decide. Well, I'm talking about that, like in the primary. Why am I not running in the primary? You're the second person to ask me that. Can you still declare? And I'm dead serious about Uh, that. Yes. Yes. I need 500 signatures from all nine districts, but by February, not July. Listen to me. So we're going to, whatever, wherever this petition is, whatever we need it's to sign. It's not a petition. It's literally, I just need signatures of registered voters. We're all signing. And I it, and, and the great part is, because I did this for Mark Hurt for his U.S. Senate campaign when it was the same year for Braun. That's why I got my 2018, because right. when I came back from Shanghai, literally two weeks later, 
I was, um, I attended a luncheon for Mark Hurt and I met him and I'd heard a lot about him through my parents. And I really liked because he's an attorney in Noblesville um, and Kokomo area. And I just, uh, he uh, was an LA for Dan Coates back in the day. So right. he'd been to DC before he knew the whole stuff and compared to like, I think bronze. Okay. Um, I, we got we have to pick our battles. Yes. Okay. We okay. can't do anything about Braun until yes. a few more now years. I got you. So I, I take it one step at a time because otherwise I will say I he has over- done a good job about the voting stuff. He's tried really hard to, to stay to, the course to, and- to at least do something about that. So, uh, okay. Good job. Mike Braun. I mean, um, we'll take what we can get yeah. because, uh, and at least he didn't vote to impeach Trump. Like, yeah. um, yeah. Young did. Um, which I, why, why would President Trump, why would Trump at the uh, Republican convention uh, a few weeks ago, why would he like mention the state of Indiana and how he loves Indiana and not say anything about the one person that voted like two, there were two Republicans, I think. Right. Um, but like, why would he not mention the Indiana senator that voted to impeach him on absolutely zero constitutional grounds. I don't know. I don't think. Okay, so I want to make sure just for audience purposes, I think Todd Young actually did not vote to impeach Trump. I think he voted it down. What he did do was said that he would take the electors and not go in favor of Trump. I don't think he voted. I don't think he voted to impeach. Hold on. So, I just want, I'm going to look this up while we're talking. Keep going. Oh, well, um, no, I basically, uh, I was at the state house uh, right before the COVID shutdown and uh, the lockdown that we went under. And then I got a call and we're going to read this together. So that's just oh. the following statement. Impeachment. And his vote, what, what's that say about that? It says vote to quit former so he, I learned majority right. Your main trouble, blah, blah, blah. Conducted a rush, incomplete process for the snap evidence. As I warned after the last impeachment, the rigged process is creating dangerous new precedent. Our nation's facing a crisis. So I stand corrected because I, I, the, so I don't, the, I didn't do that to like call you no, out. I appreciate you specifically um, clarifying because either way, he on January 6th. So here's, and I'll tell yeah. you where the, where the confusion, confusion. is. Mm-hmm. So on January 6th, our attorney general had joined the lawsuit with Texas to state that Indiana was disputing the electors that had been sent to Congress. So that piece of legislation was working through the, um, uh, the, uh, Supreme court at the time. And Todd Young said he doesn't care what Indiana is saying uh, as far as the attorney general. He is still going to approve the electors from the state of Indiana and move forward with Joe Biden as president and not Donald Trump. Like he wasn't going to use his opportunity to vote against Joe Biden. So that so how, was. Yeah, but still, it's not. It's yeah, not it, a Republican. Yeah, it wasn't. It, no, no, no. no. And, and, and I have a whole, which yes. we don't have time if we're going to keep this under an hour, but Todd Young has been astronomically awful for the state of Indiana and for Republicans in general. It's unfortunate. And it really is because I think when he originally went in, he had good intentions, but I think 
money talks in Washington. And that's what I've heard. That's unfortunate. And so I've watched him sign on to two pieces of legislation. The first is the Endless Frontier Act that Mm -hmm. he co-wrote with Chuck Schumer and the most recent infrastructure bill. And I went through and I looked up Indiana. There's one little $50 million that is distributed evenly amongst five states. So you're signing a piece of $3 trillion legislation for... For just uh, small little... Potatoes. Yeah. And for what? For them to like you? For some lobbyists to give you more money for your next campaign? Like, I... I have huge, and I, I'll i let you know personally. So, Todd Young, this goes to you too, sir. The reason that I personally have a vendetta against this man is because I have called his office personally, his office in in Washington. Yeah, I have called. Local. Yes, okay, I've yep. called multiple times. And I can count, in the last seven months, I have called his office five times. And he has not returned my call one single time. Hasn't written me an email. That's the difference between the Indiana House of Representatives and the state level because, yes. sorry, we were really good about that. Okay, um, so I'm really let's go- shocked about the, um, because even I remember in Luger's office, I mean, everybody got, everybody got a call back. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at that time, we were sorting the mail physically, like, because there was, it right. wasn't as technologically like, so I'm, I'm, that is, that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. And there's enough people in an office to now yeah. with the technology, you literally have a form letter that is distributed because there are a lot of topics that are very generic, right. um, that are generic enough where you can shoot something back. And then if they still, if it's not clear enough, it just, you, that shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't. And I will say uh, so Trey Hollingsworth is the ninth district mm-hmm. representative for Indiana. And I've worked on his campaign for three of his elections because oh, I love him that much. Okay. And if I call his office, he picks up the phone. He calls me back. He sends, he sends an email every time there's a piece of legislation that's going out. He sends an email to any constituent that's subscribed to say, hey, here's the legislation. Yeah. How do you want me to vote in this regard? Oh, fantastic. And, yep. and, and that as as you should, because you're representing you engaged. the engaged. You engaged and you're it. representing the constituency. Yeah. So uh, even if you don't agree with it, if the majority says that uh, and you can't sway them because there's still an opportunity to sway your constituents with like, hey, this is my personal position. Um, I see that the poll says 51% of you like really want me to vote against like how I feel. Right. Like if, it, for example, when I'm in that situation for whatever elected office, if it is an elected office, I've been taught that you, I mean, if you can't convince people to switch sides and it's not to switch sides, it's just it we're open for debate, right. but then I must set my own personal, I will set my own personal ideals aside um, and vote as my constituents want me to vote because that's, I'm representing the constituents. Right. I'm representing the majority unless it's something like life or death. Right. I mean, unless it's something, it has to be really, really like, okay, this just, it, I, I, I've also was taught um, that, you take things by the issues, right? It's not, um, and what, 
what was previously or what like everybody else is doing. Yeah. So that's kind of where um, I've applied for the Luger series, for example. Um, I really look forward to my in-person interview. Uh, first of all, you have to be picked, but then go the in-person right. interview part in September. Um, I really hope through that, that will give me a stronger foundation. It was just um, the reason why for the primary under the Republican ticket is because I, in um, in a few words, uh, I was told by somebody um, in the party that um, they, st- they, as of the spring, they still stood firmly behind Senator Young. Fuck them. Um, Get your 500 uh, signatures. 500, that's 4,500. And totally. primary that piece of shit. And I'm not kidding you. And I don't, I mean, this is supposed to be all politically correct. And oh, everything. you don't so have to be coming politically from me, correct. Not from her. Yeah, technically. But the Republican um, Party doesn't get to pick who they want to support. The citizens of the state of Indiana get to pick who they want to support. And I, I agree with the that. problem with the Indiana election is if you do not primary him, he will be the one that moves forward and you will not be able to beat the money that comes in from the Republicans and the Democrats. I firmly believe given your background, your history, your personality, your positions, which we haven't got to get into yet, but I at least have an idea. You've seen my, I, I see, yeah. and that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, you found me on social public. media. Yeah. I, I, I've been told maybe I shouldn't be so public. This was before I even declared or anything like that. Right. Just, and I'm like, but if anybody wants to find something, A, they'll find that. B, I'm transparent. Like, what you see is what you get. I've never, I have never been able to, like, I don't fake stuff. Like, even when I'm on stage, like, when I did stand-up for anything, or I'm a fencing coach, like, you get, you get me. You right. get Ellen. You, that's, and and that's, um, so I believe because we don't have transparency in the Biden administration, which genuinely concerns me. I cannot express enough how much of a concern that is and a red flag that is having lived under two communist regimes, having studied, I spent a summer in London in the summer of 07. That's six and a half weeks under a socialist regime. I'm fully where I studied abroad in, in Germany. I know what social, socialism is at its best. Yes. At its best when it was still like functional and, and yeah and yeah that. and people oh, were we got like money we got yeah, healthcare yeah. And, it's great um, no the healthcare part was no never, it's horrible no, like nobody would ever healthcare is terrible no nobody would even uh sugarcoat uh, the only healthcare that works socially is actually in israel but that's a whole nother story that's a whole nother issue like israel does a phenomenal job but you know what you're getting because if you really want to live under socialism in israel you go live on a kibbutz right i mean it's pretty black and white everybody else lives amongst the normies right. and um israel's a whole nother story but um that was the thing the thing about supporting trump whether he like a lot of flaws that's not the point right but he said he was gonna ma- bring the embassy to jerusalem the capital of israel Jerusalem, he he put his words where his actions were his words were. He did it. He's the only president to have done that. And anybody who calls themselves who is Jewish, who identifies because I'm half Jewish, um, you can't be part. You can't support the Biden administration that is pro, uh, anti-Israel. Yeah, it's black and white. 
it's black and well, white. I mean, how long did it take him to even reach out and have a, a conversation with Netanyahu once he took office? The longest of any presidency. Oh, but, and ever? there's no excuse for that. There is absolutely no excuse for that. And and um and I don't mean to go off on a it's tangent. Okay. It's just uh, I hold. I, I've well, been, you're passionate I've, about it. I've been there nine yeah. times. Yeah, I've been there nine times from 1993. I started going there in the spring of 1993 up until May of 2018 when I buried my grandfather. So since my grandparents have passed and since we're, I, we, I don't fly internationally. I haven't been inter- internationally since 2018. I hope to go back again, but I've been through the whole gamut. Again, it's one of those places. And I've been from Lebanon down to a lot. So you can't tell me like I, people go off uh, about Palestine and all this stuff. And I'm like, I, um, I, I, and not necessarily religious. I am spiritual, but I was baptized Ukrainian Orthodox and I'm half Jewish. I am a Jew for Jesus, I guess, as people would say. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, just like I believe in God. I believe there's only one God. I believe that all religions are right. That's what America is so amazing, wonderful at, um, it, that we are able to practice our own faiths. And as long as your, I don't impede on your rights, your constitutional, your liberties, you don't impede on mine. You do what you want. I'll do what I want. There's still a set of rules. You're very libertarian. But see, the libertarian party just, it doesn't cut it for me. I mean, like, I just mean a liberty. You're very liberty-minded. That's the thing, yeah. But you're very conservative at the same time. I am very fiscally conservative. Um, Social issues, I... I have um, my opinions, of course, I will represent the constituents of the state of Indiana and my understanding with this past legislative session where I served as the assistant journal clerk for the House of Representatives, which is a bipartisan position, really happy to have um, assisted uh, the clerk's office uh, for the House of Representatives. Um, Basically, we're a purple state. We are. We are a purple state. Well, a lot and of you people need don't remember candidate. that we went blue in 2008, like fully blue. And I accidentally made, I, I was, I, I, I was part of that. I was part of that. I take full credit. Well, no, because, and I mean, but here's but, the thing. When I was in D.C., Luger and Obama worked together to denuke on the Foreign Relations Committee to denuke Ukraine. To, he, he brought Obama in. He groomed him and he vouched for him. And Luger was one where we had as interns, first of all, at least once a week, like if he walked by us, he always stopped and chatted with us. He said, hello. He said, you know, good morning. Or we had, uh, we met with him three times. Two of those times we had dinner with him in his office in the Capitol. And so we, it was, it was so neat. Like that, I still, I get chills from that because literally that, um, he was a Fulbright scholar, just a genius. Um, and I, I, you could ask him any question, any question at all. And he would still, uh, he answered it very, uh, still very intellectually, but he never once, uh, talked down to us. Um, as opposed to at that time we had Senator goodbye. <laughs> we had, I had one of my, one of my, one of my classmates was in his office and really regretted his decision because the interns were never acknowledged. It's just, it, it's interesting. The dynamics of, uh, it, 
the moderate Republicans need to come back. And that's what I feel I represent. And especially being female, we've never had a female no. U.S. Uh, in, senator from the state of India. Yes, we've got right. congresswomen yeah. right on. But we need women to step up to be senators, to represent this state because uh, it, it's time. Yes, I agree. I really, I'm really excited to see what you're going to do through this campaign because Thank I you. like, I don't, I try really hard not to stand for politicians. I have like two people. Well, Trey you, Hollingsworth. You've, you've chosen the right yeah, one to right? stand behind. So, I mean, he's, he's awesome. Yes. And then, um, Joe Kent out of Washington. I don't oh, know okay. if you're familiar with him. He's actually running right now for the house of representatives, primarying Jamie Herrera Butler. Okay. And so he's, he's, oh my God, he's one of the most, I have an episode with him if you want to listen, but he's one of the most remarkable guys I've ever met in my entire life. And so those two people and now you, and so it's like, I, I love the idea of affecting change. And so I, one question I want to get out of the way before we end is if you had a magic wand and you walked in on day one, and you could just wave it and pass one piece of legislation, what would it be? Uh, so I, I thought about that one um, for, uh, for a lot. I actually. figured. And I love that um, because there's so much. Yes. Um, but the issue that is closest at heart, um, and I always circle back to this, is immigration and our border not being secure. And as a refugee who came to this country, legally went to through all the hoops and my my other grandmother who um on my father's side who came here after us she not speaking any other languages she still learned she learned english she passed she was naturalized she had to do the same examination everybody else has to do um she had she had to she was an orphan at the age of six and so by the age of like 10 or 11 she had to exit the school system and start working um, because of the Bolsheviks. Um, so if she was able to do that and she was naturalized a year after we were naturalized, she still had to, and there was no like, oh, you get like an easy pass because you're elderly or whatnot. Like they're not easy. And I mean, last summer, my um, one of my girlfriends uh, who's Hungarian, uh, she same examination, you know, more questions, whatnot. Um, and this was in the midst of COVID. She still had to do the examination. She, she after the five years that she had to live here and she um, passed and is now a U.S. citizen. And I, there's a reason why it is. It is really, and it means so much to all of us when you, because I am all for immigration. This country, even though you're a Hoosier, right. several generations back, you probably know where your ancestors yes. came from. We are a smorgasbord, but we cannot be allowing what is happening at the border right now to continue any longer. And I would, I would shut that down immediately, immediately, just for, even if it was just for the sake and the safety of the citizens that live on the border. Because reading, I'm, I'm coming across article after article, like news headlines, where it's just families like that have the big ranches and whatnot, they're, they're, overrun. they're overrun. Their kids the can't cartels play are using them as, and as, it's yeah. not even cartels. The immigrants are being uh, flown in from other countries, countries that don't even speak Espanol. 
So they're not even Mexicans. They're not even Latin Americans. Right. They're from who knows where. And during a pandemic, that that should not be happening. So uh, whatever it would take. Of course, I, I almost wanted to say, well, I would bring back Trump's wall, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that extreme because right. I also don't believe in division. Right. So while I understand the purpose and the symbol of the wall that Trump financed, um, that actually other citizens financed, but I mean, he motivated it. It's just we, the people actually want it yeah. because it gotten so out of control and to seize and stop any like do the complete opposite is not the solution either. And I think that the the biggest problem with the Republican ticket and and has been for years now is it's it's used as a talking point, right? Nobody, nobody in Congress actually wants to do anything about immigration. They don't because want to touch it. Republicans can use it as a way to be like, we need to fix this. We need they can run on the idea of fixing immigration. Mm-hmm but they don't ever actually fix it because they can continue to run on the idea of fixing it. Democrats are humanitarian humanitarians and they care about the people and they want to give them an opportunity. And so that's what gives them the ability to run. There's a time and place though. I don't disagree with you. The problem is that neither party wants to actually do anything about it. And what's perceived publicly is that Republicans don't like immigrants. And I'm, I mean, I'm right here. Right. Like I, 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 and, and I see, I actually saw that, um, or I've, I've heard that. I want to say at least from my experience on the state level, um, I don't feel that the Republican party is like that on the national federal level, um, different, but I want to reassure you from my experience at the state house that it was, um, it was very welcoming yeah. Um, because in addition, when I entered there, um, uh, somebody that I even knew prior to him and I entering together, but he's uh, South Sudanese studying here. Um, so, and I think he's since I uh, started the process, like he's going to become a citizen all by legal means right. because he came here um, and you get permission, you can work and get the green. He, I think right. he already had his green card, but like there's, there's avenues. Um, so I, I, I really look forward, for example, um, through the Luger series um, and other mentors that I have to really use this time to engage uh, immigra- anybody and everybody that, especially immigration attorneys or, and advocates and whatnot, just learn both sides about the issue because um, and what, uh, what kind of legislation Matthew Culkin would be a really good person to reach out to. And I'll give you his info before you leave, but he's an immigration attorney okay, and a very public one. And he does a really good job of, of define, like he, he has solutions, but he's an immigration attorney, not a politician. So we'll see. um, That's, that's where, that's where the legislation um, should be coming from, coming from like, (laughs) that's the people like, that's my first, my, that, those are that's exactly what was my first thought and first recommendation was to get in touch with someone like himself so i'm really happy about that because i currently great that's an issue i'm passionate about but besides my personal experience um i did not i i don't work in 
the immigration field. And so, um, but that, that is the, the one thing that um, I think needs immediate attention because besides the pandemic, that's, that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother ballpark. Um, so I chose, yeah, I chose the easy way out with immigration. Let's go. Let's go with uh, tackling immigration amidst the COVID pandemic, which is, uh, uh, so I, I hear uh, Illinois would, is uh, headed towards another lockdown. So, yeah. And yeah. Uh, COVID passports in New York. Well, where... they have COVID passports in Illinois too. Well, you cannot go indoors without proving your vaccination status yep. to an individual now. Yeah, I've heard that, that in, uh, yeah, I think so in most of Cuomo them. just put it out in New York. And I, yep. you know, I I missed the part where the Fourth Amendment just disappeared. Like, Oh, they, uh, I don't know who was saying it, but um, I've definitely heard, uh, maybe it was the our attorney, uh, attorney general. Um, well, I, I, I think nobody from Biden's administration really reads the Constitution um, and or they say now that um, it's gotten to the point where and I say this very it's cautious. Debatable and, well, or... it's, no, it's just like people have proven that they need to be told what they do. And we're not at a point where we actually care right. what other people think. We're just going to tell the citizens what to do and they can't do anything about it. Right. And what scared me was uh, my dad mentioned last night that uh, Australia, Sydney had to bring in uh, yep. the like their troops or their equivalent of their National Guard yep. because the police couldn't couldn't enforce. Sorry, and I'm like, I'm like, guns, hey, dad, but... I'm like, yeah, sorry, you gave up your guns. You're shit out of luck. And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, wait, what if our National Guard, so the police won't be able to enforce it here in Indiana. What if I just, I'm like, what will it take for our National Guard to not enforce being told what to do and side with the citizens? Because I believe that's what they should do. Um, so I think if I you want to get into theory, right? Yeah, so please. I play it's... this out sometimes with some of my friends. We discuss this I, on a county level. So your county cops, your sheriffs, things sure. like that. They're uh-huh. not going to enforce anything like that. No, they won't. I think especially even, not Hamilton County, but Marion <laughs> County will. Marion County will do whatever they want because they can't get anything done. I know. I just, I'm, I'm done listening to that. Sorry, um, keep going. Yes. So no. So, so what is the uh, uh, city level? They're not going to do it. Yeah. With some cities, like you said, but then you start getting into state level, and I think that's going to come down to a governor issue, and the sad, sad reality of Governor yes. Holcomb is I think that he got a taste of power that he really enjoyed with COVID. And he has not really wanted to relinquish that the way. Yeah, the the legislatures, our state legislatures were very pissed on both sides. Very, like, I think more Republicans were pissed yeah. at him then um and and i just well like, because they got mouthfuls from people like me oh you write the law not the governor the governor is the executive branch he executes the law yeah the legislative branch writes the law yep and they still and i will say the piece of uh or any resolutions piece of legislation that should have been passed this session um just got it got introduced, but it got squared. Yeah, I, and and the it, constitutional carry legislation that's been on the Senate's desk since what October of last year that the House passed—it's just sitting there. Nobody's taking it up. Nobody's passing it. Super frustrating as a citizen, but what can you do, right? Like uh, you just have to answer to these people. Well, yeah, they should be answering <laughs> to you. Um, what you can do is exactly what you continue to do and exercise your rights by contacting 
the individual offices and anybody and everybody that will listen to you because literally if it wasn't for constituents like yourself that are educated even those that that, but are passionate most importantly it's the passion part because certainly anybody and everybody can call in um but the majority that it's just keep exercising that's all i can say because that helped me as an intern that helped like i that's why interns come in because we help the la's to be able to process all of that and if we didn't have that then they wouldn't need interns and so that that's all you can keep doing is just keep doing because i i know at least on the house side they get the information at least my three representatives they are they are made aware on a weekly basis the state house is really good They've done, yeah, I have to say, I mean, Bosma set up a very well working machine that, and bless his heart, I mean, he's an attorney. Right. That mindset, like, really um, works. works. Yeah. And it benefited everybody. And I believe um, at least this first session, uh, Houston did his best. I mean, you can't beat somebody who's uh, Bosma. Right. <laughs> um, but in terms of, especially amidst a pandemic, couldn't have done a better job. We'll see what happens next legislative session. If there's without a pandemic or with a pandemic, like, um, I just but, don't see a lot of movement because there's an election coming up. So you're going to, well, see you're, a lot of you're not going to see a lot of movement yeah, and yeah. that happens. Um, it, it just happens. You just have to deal yeah. with it. But so we'll see. Yeah. That's exactly what it comes down to. That's what I was uh, thinking that unless governor Holcomb, um, uh, actually listens to his constituents, then we are in for a uh, weird fall and a lockdown. And uh, because don't call, don't call anybody on the state level because we can't. We'll just give you the number or we they. I'm no, not part of that. You're they, part of it now. <laughs> they'll, well, because I was trained, we just direct you to the correct office and we'll give you the number. Uh, but we don't even have inside access. It's like it, it's it won't make a difference. I mean, I guess yeah. So do people think that that if they call the state house or state, it's not very Senate clear. Yeah, people that get you confused. guys have access to the federal. Some people well that. Somehow or think you, that you yeah. have some sort of control over any of it. That's mm-hmm. sad. Well, it's, it's not sad. sad. It's it just is not taught it in school. It is sad that our schools do not yeah, teach civics and government. And and yeah, but and and civics should be brought in. I mean, I was like at least I, I graduated from Lawrence Central High School. Um, my senior year, I was in competitive government law. So the We the People program, like we won state. I went to we Girl won- State. I like I was obsessed with politics yeah. at a ripe old age of like 10. I'm like, I'm in on this. Like, I this I started uh, in an explorers law group in Hamilton County um, through their uh, prosecutor's office. Uh, I guess my freshman, sophomore, like the summer through my freshman and sophomore years of high school. So I had, I was a little bit behind you or in, in yeah. front of you on that, but um, definitely when that sparked my interest in, in just law and uh, the constitution and um, government I'm and still, government I'm and government. You. I'm so lame. I still carry a pocket constitution Jinx. in my purse. I have one in my bag. <laughs> I have one in my bag. We are so fucking lame. Like everybody's gonna no, watch this movie. Because like, the biggest dirt I, I don't necessarily have all the answers. 
what I pride myself on is I know what to reference right. or whom to ask that is an expert in that area. For example, immigration, I will have an arsenal of people because it's not my job to memorize. Like I'm just one human being. That's right. a plethora of information. Like it's just overwhelming. And so, I think that's the other thing. Like you just touched on a really important point. I think a lot of people want to be an expert in everything. You can't. You especially can't spread, spread when you're yourself thin. Right. So like, especially when you start getting into politics, like you want to yeah. be like, oh, I know all about that. Yeah. And if you would utilize resources and better utilization. And yes. Like of, you, that's you why do you network. Like, yeah. I mean, why? Uh, thank you for recognizing that. Because yeah. honestly, like, if I don't know something, I will say it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, nobody ever wants to be wrong anymore. They always well, they want to be right about everything. Yeah. And if, yes. if they're, even if they're not right, they want you to agree that they're right and forget that you might actually be right. Well, <laughs> and mutual <laughs> respect is really, really important. So the balance between recognizing that, okay, I'm you're allowed to have your opinion. That's what makes America the greatest country uh, to this day on Earth, planet Earth. We're not in any other space-time um, dimension, uh, we're able to agree to disagree, but there's also, uh, there's there's facts. And by trying to change a fundamental fact, what's, why? And that's what it seems to be like. Oh. I mean, I think it's even, and I, I, I am, I don't consider myself a Republican anymore. And I'm very transparent about that with everybody. If you'd have asked me, uh, prior to March of last year, I would have absolutely declared myself a conservative Republican. In the last year, I am politically homeless. Like I don't, I don't have a party anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that might be why you were running as an independent, but I, we're going to get back to this whole signature thing because I really, I need you to primary him. Like I, and I'm okay, saying well, that like, I mean, so tell I've us got how to make my, that happen. Yeah. So, okay. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, First things first, so um, because I don't have uh, I don't have a social media site set up yet. Okay. I've bought the domains. Um, I will be working on that this week. I have my best friends hosting it. Everything um, is in the works. Uh, basically, um, at this point, uh, I would um, I will provide information um, for you to provide to your listeners okay. and anybody. Um, that would like uh, to shoot me an email, um, and with that email, I will send I will send you a sheet. Um, and I've I've done the I've gotten signatures for um, I've done that like you've done that before. Right, yeah. So it's registered voters, um, and basically you put down your information, your name, and your number, your address, your information. You have to sign it, um, so it can't be a copy or anything like that. The best part is it does not uh, commit you to anything at all. It commits, it allows me to put my name on the ballot for the primary uh, as a Republican. <laughs> um, so we'll get to that. But yeah, so I need signatures from 500 voters, registered voters in each of the nine districts. And then I take it to the clerk of court. And their clerks, their respective clerks, um, sign off on that. So they still have to accept so 500 it in, in each, each of the nine districts. So, so not 500 four, total. 
No, fully bananas. So okay. that's where um, I will have to check if I can still declare for the primary, um, because that means I have to have it in by February, if not sooner. They- I have a friend who you were telling that story earlier about brainwashing. I have a friend who lives in Shanghai, actually. Oh, okay. And awesome. I'm very sad because I haven't talked to him in probably four or five months now. And it was right around Christmas. So I guess it's been almost seven months now. We were going to do an exchange where my daughter made like a gift box of like her favorite types of foods and stuff like that and sent to his daughter and her oh, daughter was going to yeah. make one to send to Ainsley. And um, we were discussing politics and things like that. And it was right around, you know, they were, the election was still up in the air, you know, as far as like the electors and stuff like that. And he said, he was telling a story about his wife who worked for the government. Mm. And he said, she has to be one who claps. And he said, I'm one who doesn't clap. And he goes, please don't become a country that claps. And that's what we left. That's what my parents and my, like, that's, what we left yeah and and it's so hard to know people and to I mean I've been there to have experienced what that world is really like and then you come here and people are on their iPhones and their Air Jordans and their you know whatever expensive ass clothes and their expensive ass cars going I'm oppressed and, and the only way somebody can be oppressed is if they make themselves yes. oppressed in their own mental um, prison. And it's so, um, it's so unfortunate because it's, it, well, I now don't you see all this stuff going on with Cuba and it's like, I literally just want to do a one for one trade. If you want to be here flying a communist flag and talk about Marxism no, and how, to- yeah, let me, I'm going to give you a plane ticket. You can go to Cuba and I'll take a Cuban refugee that can take your place. And the only way that you're allowed back into this country is if the Cuban wants to go back. If not, you're still I there. think that is a brilliant trade-off. <laughs> I had a, I, while you were saying that, I like remembered a joke that, um, a Russian joke that I recently saw that um, was talking about, you know, well, uh, you know, two men are talking, or one man's talking to his rabbi and whatnot. And it's just like, so uh, uh, what do you think of... Um, you know, do you, how, do you think everybody is really, or who do you think is the person that's adhering to the lockdown the best? And the rabbi, like, without even uh, hesitating, is just like Lenin in his mausoleum. <laughs> and it's just like, you mean everybody who's dead is literally, that's it. Right. Like, nobody else agrees that's with, so like, funny. what is going on. Um, the, thank God there's still humor. I came from um at Odessa which uh very a smorgasbord of cultures port city um tourism like very rich culturally diverse um as diverse as you can be in eastern Europe right um that diverse but (laughs) but because of how open it was just like comedy humor laughter really um is at the core way but until so let's let's game plan that because you, I mean, you have the legal b- background and you have the legislative background. So, what do you think that looks like? Let's say in this world that it comes back and they say, "Okay, Trump actually won the election based on everything we see, margin of error, he won the election." 
I saw a rumor, and it's so hard to tell what's real and what's not, so I don't give a whole lot of credence to to everything anymore. But I saw a rumor that he was still holding cabinet meetings where he still has, like, if for some reason. I recognize him as the elected president. I mean, I... the algorithm, the algorithms, um, a computer forensic scientists are really good at what they do. There's what's going to be coming out is exactly is the truth because it's it's physical. Um, I, so how? I mean, so how like does that play out? That's yeah, that's, gonna... that's where I get the whole conflict of why I still represent the USA. I'm, I don't, and I don't hope for this. I hope we all still stay united, but how can we, when one administration will not relinquish power, even if forced to do so, which they shouldn't be forced to do so, they should recognize their mistakes, own up to it, and again, represent the people of the United States of America that they were elected to represent. And I, I don't see any smooth transition of power. Um, I, I am just hoping for Trump. I, the truth is going to come out. What's going to happen is it's just going to be slid to the side. No action is going to be taken. Those of us that are uh, human um, and awakened and actually like conscious will know what the truth is because the truth it's it's a fact it's not just oh this is one of my beliefs like yeah this isn't no and then in the next election we'll just elect trump again i'm not saying that he's the best option but to this day um i i want to work under the second trump administration i would i would feel comfortable doing that um i don't i don't see do you see how any power can be relinquished. Um, so you can have an impeachment process. Well, we saw how that happened. And, but then um, we're, we have Kamala. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. and the House, Nancy has to initiate. The House is never going, going to, to initiate against Joe Biden. Which is their fault that the COVID epidemic got so bad. Yeah. I mean, it, I, we could talk for six hours on, on all of this. I'm so excited that you're here. And thanks for my audience to let you guys know. Um, I didn't want to, I wanted to introduce Ellen today. I yes. wanted to give there's her the opportunity. There's a lot to discuss yes. and there's, and, and you're, I'm, I'm just really honored to come across. I know there's a lot of people out there that are doing what you do, but you, um, it's, it's serendipitous that you reach out to me. Um, I'm honored to uh, have my first, uh, my debut be with you. I could not, uh, because I mean, and and yes, it does help that you're female. So <laughs> it really is appropriate to right. have another female that um, is just, I, I've heard some of your podcasts. I'm, I plan to listen to all of them. I know because I like the people you speak with and you're like, you rattle off facts and you know your stuff. And that is I commend you for that because we need Thank you so more much. It makes me feel so good because I'm I, trying so hard. I, and I, it's no, like... See, here's the difference. <laughs> You're doing. You're doing. And I wish more people that say that they try follow through. Right. And so that's my my goal as well to not continue to say, oh, I'm trying to do this or what. I'm doing this. I'm going with it. 
but we're going all the way to DC because I'm going to be there one way or the other. My like, cousin, <laughs> it's so funny. I went to Texas last week and yes, I and visited my cousin. I was all over. I went to, um, but mostly like I spent Dallas and Austin was the two Lovely. places I spent the most nice. time. But um, two conversations that I had while I was there, one was with my cousin and she's she's very big into politics too. So we have that in common with one another. She's gung ho libertarian party though. Like okay. she's all about it. And so we kind of differentiate there a little bit on some of our, our stances, but she was like, are you going to run? And I was like, no, no, I have too many skeletons in my closet. I'm never going to run for office. Like that's never happening, but I will, I will help anybody that I think deserves to be there. So that's, that's my contribution. And then That's another, huge. that is a huge enough country because actually the people that stand behind the person that, I mean, at least in Biden's, in Biden's case, it's literally only the people that are behind him that are keeping him up. Um, the same was true when he was a Senator from what I recall, because from what I remember, yeah. but, um, but you had, yes, I'm glad that you like, I, I, they've got some sensible people down in Texas. Well, and the second conversation I had was with somebody who I consider to be an incredibly dear friend and I'm not going to name him or anything like that. But one of the comments that he made, he said, have you ever seen that episode of game of Thrones yeah. where the girl, the, they're trying to go through the wall and the girl is screaming at the top of her lungs, but no, like nobody's listening. Nobody hears her. He goes, that's who you are. And like it, like, that's what I feel like all the time is that I'm, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, Look what's going on. Like, can you guys not there's, see this? There's other people standing with you. And it's there's just. There's other people God, that are doing so the same thing. And my, uh, what I hope, the thing is you're, you're heard. You just don't <laughs> want to get on the list. Right. Yeah. I'm already on the list. Okay. At least I got to fly. Like, I, I was scared to death. I was going to PSA, <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> well, no, what I mean, list have I, I made really, yet? Like, no, we don't want to be on the list of not having a COVID passport. Right. I, mean, I have the PDF. I'll just write some shit on it, and then okay. I'll be on a whole nother list. <laughs> hey, I heard nothing. I don't know anything because I didn't see it. So um, you do you. Like I said, you don't impede on me. I don't impede on you because I don't. I, uh, ears. Right. No, I'm, uh, so we're going to do a follow-up episode just so you guys know, um, where Ellen can get into more of her policy positions and things like that. But this was an introductory, introductory, um, session for you guys, because I really wanted you to get to meet her and get to know her and put Todd Young on notice because he's gone. We'll see you later. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!